0: kato fakaronga mai koe tato alhorihori hei hōtaka e panaki te putaio te taiō me te kopapa o te this is our changing world on rnz national and now we're about to solve the mystery of the kaikōura bubbles you might remember back in november last year about a week after the damaging 7.8 magnitude kaikōura earthquake kaikōura kayaks reported they had found an area of bubbles welling up on the south coast of the Kaikoura Peninsula. University of Canterbury Natural Hazard Engineer Matthew Hughes headed out for a look at the Hope Springs as they were christened, and he was intrigued. In December, I ran into him at Kaikoura Airport. He was carrying a box full of gas and water samples that he'd just collected. I gave him a few months to do whatever he needed to do, and then caught up with him again recently to find out how he's getting on solving the mystery of the bubbles.
1: It's a line of bubbles in the area about 100 metres long. It's not an exact line, it's a diffuse line I suppose you could say. Underwater they look quite amazing uh, when the water's clear. They look like a sheet of bubbles coming up from the seabed going off into the distance.
0: This is this quite shallow?
1: It is very shallow, so it's approximately 50 to 60 metres offshore, so you can easily wade out to it um, in the right conditions. Um, At high tide, the water does get to about perhaps three or four metres deep, Um, but at low tide, it is quite shallow, about a metre deep.
0: What was your first impression?
1: My first impression was just how surreal and beautiful and and amazing it seemed. And my second major impression was that this was a major geological feature that had been created by the earthquakes. I didn't understand exactly what the gas was composed of, but I knew straight away that uh, there had been some fracturing or increase in porosity in the seabed, that was liberating groundwater and the gas dissolved in it, that much is clear. Uh, We had already known of the dramatic landscape impacts that had occurred because of the earthquake and also the dramatic images of the landslides that have blocked uh, State Highway 1 north and south of Kaikoura and also blocked the inland route. Uh, These are dramatic landscape impacts, not unexpected in, in large earthquake events. And so I went to Kaikoura with this in mind, and when I saw the bubbles, I knew that was another very interesting, what we call, co-seismic phenomenon that could be of extreme interest for understanding uh, the wider Earth system impacts of earthquakes.
0: Can I describe this then as being a bit like a bottle of carbonated drink? So it's been sitting under pressure, it's had the gas inside it, and whatever has happened during the earthquake has in a way taken the lid off and let the pressure go so the bubbles are coming up the same way they come up when you take that lid off the, off your lemonade.
1: I think that's a very good analogy. Uh, my initial hypothesis for the gas composition uh, was that it was dominantly carbon dioxide and that was mainly an educated guess uh, based upon uh, the nature of the rocks that the, uh, that the water and the gases were coming from. The rocks of Kaikoura Peninsula are quite calcareous Uh, That means they've got um, quite a lot of chalky material in them, and an example of of calcareous rocks would be limestones, for example. So my initial hypothesis was um, that what we were seeing was a liberation of groundwater from underneath the peninsula uh, with carbon dioxide in it evolved from um, this calcium carbonate material. As it turns out, um, the reality is a lot more interesting and complex.
0: So are there other features like that around our coast?
1: There are other gas uh, features around the New Zealand coastline. Uh, Certainly having gas bubbling from the seabed is not at all unusual. Colleagues at NIWA and uh, other people and scientific researchers around New Zealand have in the past identified and, and, and studied these features they're often referred to as, as seeps, either shallow or deep water seeps, where carbon dioxide and methane are uh, liberated um, and, and come from the seabed and form bubbles. Um, but the key thing is, is that the gas is liberated. It's either obvious um, through the bubbles themselves, uh, or the gases are in fact dissolved um, in water. And uh, there are examples from around the world. Uh, of uh, gas seeps forming as a result of earthquakes. Those are often in very deep water, up to a few thousand metres, however. Uh, And so uh, the the Kaikoura example is really unique in in that perspective because it's only in a few metres of water.
0: Now you've been back to collect more information about these bubbles. Tell me about that process.
1: Uh, It's not my field to sample gas bubbles coming from the seafloor, and so I immediately turned to a colleague, Travis Horton, who is an expert in, in, in analysing the isotopic composition of, of gases in water to understand Earth system processes. So I showed him the footage of the bubbles, uh, and he was also very intrigued. Fortunately, as I've said before, it's in very shallow water, uh, so we knew that we could reach the bubbles uh, easily through essentially just jumping in the water and using kayaks and small boats. So we essentially rigged up a, a system that is an inverted funnel um, that's uh, put into the end of a hose. That hose goes into a glass flask with a pipette filler coming off the side of it. We essentially used the rubber bulb as a collection chamber because we, want, we needed to use a syringe um, to collect the gas to then put it into glass vials to be able to analyse the isotopic composition of the gases.
0: So with those precious vials of gas, what happened next?
1: Uh, Well, we took them back to the lab uh, where Travis worked his magic. Uh, He has equipment to analyse the isotopic composition of the carbon atoms and carbon dioxide. And so the equipment is designed to essentially um, siphon off carbon dioxide molecules and then split those into their constituent carbon and oxygen components and then essentially weigh how heavy the carbon is. And so we can tell uh, what the relative uh, composition of the carbon is in, in any given sample of carbon dioxide, uh, and so we're able to see how much carbon-12 there is, the most uh, abundant and common atomic weight of the carbon, uh, versus carbon-13. And the key thing about isotopes in general is that you have heavier isotopes of the larger number. That means that uh, physical and chemical and biological processes in which carbon is used... Uh, are fractionated, and so that means that lighter or heavier molecules of carbon uh, or carbon dioxide are preferentially taken up or excluded in certain biological and also non-biological processes. Our understanding of this fractionation um, gives us quite a strong insight into the sources of the carbon. So, for example, um, the ratio of the carbon-13 to carbon-12 can tell us uh, from which depth approximately carbon uh, molecules originated. And so we're actually able to get a picture of the sources of the carbon dioxide based upon its isotopic composition.
0: How deep is it coming from?
1: Well, at the moment, I can't give you an exact kilometre depth. We need to do a bit more research and analysis around that. But we do have some very interesting preliminary data. And so the carbon isotopic composition is suggesting um, two major sources. The first one is what we call a metamorphic source. Uh, And so this is carbon originating from uh, lower down in the Earth's crust, possibly the upper mantle and this is essentially being evolved from metamorphosed rocks at depth and under extreme pressures and high temperatures. We also have signatures coming from what we call the biogenic or hydrocarbon source, which is essentially oil and gas. And so we're getting signatures from both these sources mixed. So the preliminary results suggest that we're actually getting a a deep signal uh, of water and carbon dioxide dissolved in that water coming from um, quite significant depths, similar to other deep hydrothermal systems um, around the South Island. And as that water um, and carbon is passing up through the Earth's crust and and coming up towards the surface, it uh, seems to be coming through rock layers with some sort of oil and gas signature in there, but we don't really know how, how deep that is. But looking at the geology of the area, um, it's probably in, in, in the upper couple of kilometres of rock.
0: The other deep hydrothermal systems that you mentioned around the South Island, what are those ones?
1: Well, Hanma Springs is probably the most famous one. And also uh, Raapaki Springs and Little Harbour, there's a, there's a warm hydrothermal system there. And both of those systems, which uh, Travis has worked on, show this uh, deep metamorphic carbon signature.
0: Hope Springs aren't warm though, are they?
1: They are warm. The water that's coming out from there is certainly warmer than the surrounding seawater. Uh, It was 18 degrees Celsius at the seabed. And that's a a good few degrees warmer than um, further away from the springs and warmer than the water usually is at that time of year. So that is evidence of not necessarily a hot spring, uh, but certainly a warm spring.
0: So is it related in any way to the Hamna Springs, or is it its own little thing?
1: It's a very good question, and and we don't know the answer to that yet. But it is possible that this is tapping into a wider, deeper, regional hydrogeothermal system that may be quite um, extensive. uh, But at this stage, we we don't know, and that's why we need to do uh, further research. And uh, I just want to acknowledge uh, my colleague Cliff Law at the National Institute of Water and Atmospheric Research who has recently got back to me with uh, results from some analysis he's been doing on seawater samples I collected for him at the time I collected the gas. And so what his results uh, are showing is that there is an awful lot of methane dissolved in the seawater, and so one would infer that the gas that we're seeing has got a strong component of methane in it. In fact, um, Cliff uh, has said that uh, that the highest concentrations of methane in New Zealand marine waters that he's ever measured. And that that may just be speaking to the fact that the gas is not being significantly diluted in the shallow waters compared to other systems that he's um, um, studied, which are under hundreds if not thousands of metres of water. But that in itself is quite intriguing, and, and the dissolved methane results are a strong support uh, for some sort of hydrocarbon oil or gas um, presence in the rocks under the peninsula um, and is supporting that um, the line of evidence from the carbon isotopes which is suggesting the same thing
0: is it still bubbling up there
1: it is still bubbling. Yeah. I do have a bit of a dread that I'll wake up one day and, and learn that uh, they've shut off before we've been able to do any significant research on them. Having said that, many other spring systems have persisted for decades, if not centuries, uh, around uh, the South Island, and so they may be there for some time.
0: So it's all more complex than you originally postulated. It's coming from deeper than you postulated. It's just more interesting.
1: It is more complex than I initially envisioned. Uh, however, the more I've learnt about this phenomenon in general, which is the liberation of gas from the seafloor following earthquakes, a lot of things are starting to make more sense now. Uh, this is not highly unusual, but what is quite unique about this particular system is that it's so accessible. And Hope Springs, or the bubbles offshore of Kaikoura Peninsula, are another manifestation of these hydrogeological impacts from seismic events.
0: Thanks, Matthew. Matthew Hughes from Civil and Natural Resources Engineering at the University of Canterbury. That's all for now, but you can stay in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're RNZ Science. Ki ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.